The Dwarf's Hoard and the Curse that it Brought Now Old Aegir's feast was over, and all the Aesir and Vanir made ready for their return to Asgard. Two only went on another way, Odin, the eldest of the gods, and Loki the mischievous. Loki and Odin laid aside all that they had kept of the divine power and their divine strength. They were going into the world of men, and they would be as men, merely. Together they went through Midgard, mingling with men of all sorts, kings and farmers, outlaws and true men, warriors and householders, thralls and counsellors, courteous men and men who were ill-mannered. One day they came to the bank of a mighty river, and they were rested, listening to the beat of iron upon iron in a place nearby. Presently, on a rock in the middle of the river, they saw an otter come. The otter went into the water and came back to the rock with a catch of salmon. He devoured it there. Then Odin saw Loki do a senseless and evil thing. Taking up a great stone, he flung it at the otter. The stone struck the beast on the skull and knocked him over dead. Loki, Loki, why hast thou done a thing so senseless, so evil? Odin said. Loki only laughed. He swam across the water and came back with the creature of the river. Why didst thou take the life of the beast? Odin said. The mischief in me made me do it, said Loki. He drew out his knife, and ripping the otter up, he began to flay him. When the skin was off the beast, he folded it up and stuck it in his belt. Then Odin and he left the place by the river. They came to a house with two smithies beside it, and from the smithies came the sound of iron beating upon iron. They went within the house, and they asked that they might eat there and rest themselves. An old man, who was cooking fish over a fire, pointed out a bench to them. Rest there, he said, and when the fish is cooked, I will give you something good to eat. My son is a fine fisher, and he brings me salmon of the best. Odin and Loki sat on the bench, and the old man went on with his cooking. My name is Hredmar, he said, and I, I have two sons who work for me in the smithies without. I have a third son also. It is he who does the fishing for us. Arid, who may ye be, a wafering men? Loki and Odin gave names to Hreidmer that were not the names by which they were known in Asgard or in Midgard. Hreidmer served fish to them, and they ate. And what adventures have ye met upon your travels? Hreidmer asked. Few folk come this way and tell me of happenings. I killed an otter with a cast of a stone, Loki said with a laugh. You killed an otter? Hreidmar. Where did you kill one? Where I killed him is of no import to you, old man, said Loki. His skin is a good one. However, I have it on my belt. Hreidmar snatched the skin out of Loki's belt. As soon as he held the skin before his eyes, he shrieked out, Fafner, Regan, my sons, come here and bring the thralls of your smithies. Come, come, come. Why dost thou make such an outcry, old man? said Odin. You have slain my son, Otter, shrieked the old man. This in my hands is the skin of my own son. As Hreidmar said this, two young men bearing the four hammers of the smithies came in, followed by the thralls. Strike these men dead with your four hammers, O Fafner, O Regan, their father cried. Otter, who used to stay in the river, and whom I changed by enchantment into a river beast that he might fish for me, has been slain by these men. Peace, said Odin, we have slain thy son, it would seem, but it was unwittingly that we did this deed. We will give a recompense for the death of thy son. What recompense will you give? said Raidmer, 
looking at Odin with eyes that were small and sharp. Then did Odin, the eldest of the gods, say a word that was unworthy of his wisdom and his powers. He might have said, I will bring thee a daughter of Munna's well water as a recompense for this, thy son's death. But instead of thinking of wisdom, Odin all father thought of gold. Set a price on the life of thy son, and we will pay that price in gold, he said. Maybe ye are the greatest kings travelling through the world, Hreidmer said. If ye are, ye will have to find gold that will cover every hair upon the skin of him who ye have killed. Then did Odin, his mind being fixed upon gold, think upon a certain treasure, a treasure that was guarded by a dwarf. No other treasure in the nine worlds would be great enough to make recompense that Hreidmer claimed. He thought upon this treasure, and he thought on how it might be taken, and yet he was ashamed of his thought. Dost thou, Loki, know of Antvari's hoard? he said. I know of it, said Loki sharply, and I know where it's hidden. Wilt thou, Odin, win leave for me to fetch Antvari's gold? Odin spoke to Hreidmer. I will stay with thee as a hostage, he said. If thou wilt let this one go and fetch a treasure that will cover the otter's skin hair by hair. I will let this be done, said Hreidmer, with the sharp and cunning eyes. Go now said he to Loki. Then Loki went from his home. Antvari was a dwarf who, in the early days, had gained for himself the greatest treasures in the nine worlds. So that he might guard this treasure unceasingly, he changed himself into a fish, into a pike, and he swam in the water before the cave where the hoard was hidden. All in Asgard knew of the dwarf and of the hoard he guarded. And there was a thought amongst all that this hoard was not to be meddled with, and that some evil was joined to it. But now Odin had given the word that it was to be taken from the dwarf. Loki set out for Andvari's cave rejoicingly. He came to the pool before the cave, and he watched for a sight of Andvari. Soon he saw the pike swimming cautiously before the cave. He would have to catch the pike and hold him till the treasure was given for ransom. As he watched the pike, he became aware of him. Suddenly he flung himself forward in the water and went with speed down the stream. Not with his hands, not with any hook or line could Loki catch the pike. How then could he take him? Only with a net that was woven by magic. Then Loki thought of where he might get such a net. Ran, the wife of old Aegir, the giant king of the sea, had a net that was woven by magic. In it she took all that was wrecked on the sea. Loki thought of Ran's net, and he turned and went back to Egir's hall to ask for the queen, but Ran was seldom in her husband's dwelling. She was now down by the rocks of the sea. He found Ran, the cold queen, standing in the flow of the sea, drawing out of its depths with the net that she held in her hands every piece of treasure that was washed that way. She had made a heap of things she had drawn out of the sea, corals and amber and bits of gold and silver, but still she was plying her net greedily. Thou knowest me, Egir's wife, said Loki to her. I know thee, Loki, said Queen Ran. Lend me thy net, said Loki. That I will not do, said Queen Ran. Lend me thy net, that I may catch Anvari the dwarf, who boasts that he has a greater treasure than ever thou wilt to take out of the sea, said Loki. The cold queen of the sea ceased plying her net. She looked at Loki steadily. 
Yes, if he were going to catch Anvari, she would lend her net to him. She hated the dwarves because this one and that one had told her that they had greater treasures ever than she would be mistress of. But especially she hated Anvari, the dwarf who had the greatest treasure in all the nine worlds. There is nothing more to gather here, she said, and if thou wilt swear to bring me back my net by tomorrow, I shall lend it to you. I swear by the sparks of Mispelheim that I will bring thy net back to thee by tomorrow, O Queen of Agir. Loki cried, then ran put into his hands the magic net. Back then he went to where the dwarf transformed was guarding his wondrous hoard. Dark was the pool in which Andvari floated as a pike. Dark it was, but to him it was all golden with the light of his wondrous treasure. For the sake of this hoard he had given up his companionship with the dwarves and his delight in making and shaping the things of their workmanship. For the sake of this hoard he had taken on himself the dumbness and deafness of a fish. Now, as he swam about before the cave, he was aware again of a shadow above him. He slipped toward the shadow of the bank. Then, as he turned around, he saw a net sweeping toward him. He sank down in the water, but the magic net had spread out, and he sank into its meshes. Suddenly, he was out of the water and was left gasping on the bank. He would have died had he not undone his transformation. Soon he appeared as a dwarf, and Vari, you are caught. It is one of the Asir who has taken you, he heard his captor say. Loki, he gasped. Thou art caught, and thou shalt be held, Loki said to him. It is the will of the Asir that thou give up thy hoard to me. My hoard, my hoard, the dwarf shouted. Never will I give up my hoard. I hold thee till thou givest it to me, said Loki. Unjust, unjust, shouted Anvari. It is only thou, Loki, who art unjust. I will go to the throne of Odin, and I will have Odin punish thee for striving to rob me of my treasure. Odin has sent me to fetch thy hoard to him, said Loki. Can it be that all the Asir are unjust? Ah, yes, in the beginning of things they cheated the giants who built the wall around their city. The Asir are unjust. Loki had Anvari in his power. And after the dwarf had raged against him and defied him, he tormented him. At last, trembling with rage and with his face covered with tears, Anvari took Loki into his cavern and, turning a rock aside, showed him the mass of gold and gems that were his hoard. At once Loki began to gather into the magic net lumps and ingots and circlets of gold with gems that were rubies and sapphires and emeralds. He saw Andvari snatch at something on the heap, but he made no sign of marking it. At last all was gathered into the net, and Loki stood there ready to bear the dwarf's hoard away. There is one more thing to be given, said Loki, the ring that you, Andvari, snatched from this heap. I snatched nothing, said the dwarf, but he shook with anger and his teeth gnashed together and froth came on his lips. I snatched nothing from the heap. But Loki pulled up his arm, and there fell to the ground a ring that Anvari had hidden under his armpit. It was the most precious thing in all the hoard. Had it been left with him, Anvari would have thought that he still possessed a treasure, for the ring of itself could make gold. It was made out of gold that was refined of all impurities, and it was engraven with a rune of power. Loki took up the most precious ring and put it on his finger. 
Then the dwarf screamed at him, turning his thumbs downward in a curse. The ring with the rune of power upon it made weigh down your fortune and load you with evil, you Loki and all who lust to possess the ring I have cherished. As Anvari uttered the curse, Loki saw a figure rise up in the cave and move towards him. As this figure came near, he knew that it was Gulfig, a giant woman who had once been in Asgard. Far back in the early days, when the gods had come to their holy hill, and before Asgard was built, three women of the giants had come amongst the Aesir. After the three had been with them for a time, the lives of the Aesir changed. Then did they begin to value and to hoard the gold that they had played with. Then did they think of war. Odin hurled his spear amongst the messengers that came from the Vanir, and war came into the world. The three were driven out of Asgard. Peace was made with the Vanir. The apples of lasting youth were grown in Asgard. The eagerness of gold was curbed. But never again were the Asir as happy as they were before the woman came to them from the giants. Gulfig was one of the three who had blighted the early happiness of the gods. And behold, she was in the cave where Anvari had hoarded his treasure, and with a smile upon her face she was advancing toward Loki. So, Loki, she said, thou seest me again. And Odin, who sent thee to this cave, will see me again, lo, Loki. I go to Odin to be thy messenger, and to tell him that thou comest with Antvari's hoard. And speaking so, and smiling into his face, Gulfig went out of the cave with swift and light steps. Loki drew the ends of the magic net together, and gathering all the treasures in its meshes, he too went out. Odin, the eldest of the gods, stood leaning on his spear, and looking at the skin of the otter that was spread out before him. One came into the dwelling swiftly. Odin looked and saw that she who had come in on such swift glad feet were Gulfig, who once with her two companions had troubled the happiness of the gods. Odin raised his spear to cast it at her. Lay thy spear down, Odin, she said. I dwelt for long in the dwarf's cave, but thy word unloosed me, and the curse of Andvari's ring has sent me here. Lay thy spear down, and look on me, O eldest of the gods. Thou didst cast me out of Asgard, but thy word has brought me back to thee. And if ye too, Odin and Loki, have brought yourselves free with gold, and may enter Asgard, surely I, Gulfig, am free to enter Asgard also. Odin lowered his spear, sighing deeply. Surely it is so, Gulfig, he said. I may not forbid thee to enter Asgard. Would I had thought of giving the man Kvasir's mead of Mimmer's well, water rather than this gold as a recompense. As they spoke, Loki came into Hreidmar's dwelling. He laid on the floor the magic net. Old Hreidmar, with his sharp eyes and huge Fafnir and lean and hungry-looking Regan, came in to gaze on the gold and the gems that shone through the meshes. They began to push each other away from gazing at the gold. Then Hreidmer cried out, No one may be here but these two kings and I, while we measure out the gold and gems and see whether the recompense be sufficient. Go without, go without, sons of mine. Then Fafnir and Regan were forced to go out of the dwelling. They went out slowly, and Gulfig went with them, whispering to both.
With shaking hands, old Hreidmer spread out the skin that once covered his son. He drew out the ears and the tail and the paw so that every single hair could be shown. For long he was on his hands and knees, his sharp eyes searching, searching over every line of the skin, and still on his knees he said, Begin now, O kings, and cover with a gem or a piece of glory every hair on the skin that was my son. Odin stood leaning on his spear, watching the gold and gems being paid out. Loki took the gold, the ingots, and the lumps and circlets. He took the gems, the rubles, the emeralds, and sapphires, and he began to place them over each hair. Soon the middle of the skin was all covered. Then he put the gems and the gold over the paws and the tail. Soon the otter skin was so glittering that one would think it could light up the world, and still Loki went on finding a place where a gem or a piece of gold might be put. At last he stood up, every gem and every piece of gold he had taken out of the net, and every hair on the otter skin had been covered with a gem or a piece of gold. And still old Hreidmer on his hands and knees was peering over the skin, searching, searching for a hair that was not covered. At last he lifted himself up on his knees. His mouth was open, but he was speechless. He touched Odin on the knees, and when Odin bent down, he showed him a hair upon the lip that was left uncovered. What meanest thou, Loki cried, turning upon the crouching man. Your ransom is not paid yet. Look here is still a hair uncovered. You may not go until every hair is covered with gold or a gem. Peace, old man, said Loki roughly. All the dwarf's hoard has been given thee. Ye may not go until every hair has been covered, Raidmer said again. There is no more gold or gems, Loki answered. Then ye may not go, cried Raidmer, springing up. It was true. Odin and Loki might not leave that dwelling until the recompense they had agreed to was paid in full. Where now would the Aesir go for gold? And then Odin saw the gleam of gold on Loki's finger. It was the ring that he had forced from Andvari. Thy finger ring, said Odin. Put thy finger ring over the hair on the otter's skin. Loki took off the ring that was engraved with the rune of power, and he put it on the lip hair of the otter's skin. Then Hreidmar clapped his hands and screamed aloud. Huge Fafnir and lean hungry Regan came within, and Gulfig came behind them. They stood around the skin of the son and the brother that was all glittering with gold and gems. But they looked at each other more than they looked on the glittering mass, and very deadly were the looks that Fafnir and Regan cast upon their father and cast upon each other. Over Bifrost, the rainbow bridge, went all of the Asir and Vanir that had been told of old Aegir's feast, Frey and Freya, Frigger, Iduna and Sif, Tur with his sword and Thor in his chariot drawn by his goats, Loki came behind them, and behind them all came Odin, the father of the gods. He went slowly with his head bent, for he knew that an unwelcome one was following, Gulfig, who once had been cast out of Asgard, and whose return now the gods might not gainsay.